They were the heroes from the future. Teenagers protecting the universe from those that would sow the seeds of chaos. Each had unique powers and abilities. And though they often had their differences, they came together to save the day as the Legion of Superheroes. Now you can be a part of their adventures and learn the history of the future in the Legion Clubhouse. This week on the Legion Clubhouse, the conclusion to Earth War. Oh, this is going to be awesome. I hope. Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number 245. Mordru, Master of Earth. Published November 1978. Written by Paul Levitz with art by Joe Statton and Murphy Anderson. Synopsis. The Dark Circle's leader is revealed as the most dangerous Legion foe of them all. So it was more Drew all along, Matthew. It was. More Drew was manipulating the Dark Circle, who were in turn manipulating the Resource Raiders, who I think in turn were manipulating the... Wait, no. The Dark Circle was manipulating the Kund, who was manipulating the... Res- okay, wait. No. No, okay, he was so. manipulating the Resource, the resource Raiders, resource the Kunds, uh-huh. and the Dark Circle. The dark Circle. So he was controlling all of them. And so then somehow he was also was- controlling... Uh, what's his name? Ambassador Relmic, uh, as well. So he was controlling everybody, and at at some point he magically made uh, Brainiac Five disappear, blip into what could have been a black hole or something else. Yes. My real question is: in this, mm-hmm. is there any? Are there any real clues that pointed to Mordrew at all in these previous uh, four issues? <sighs> Uh, and and no. not just Brainiac disappearing without a trace mysteriously. Well, and they did say almost like magic. And I think twice they said it's almost like magic, which is the closest thing we get to, uh, you know, an indicator that it's more Drew. So it is kind of a dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah I don't know did, if I leave any like Ellery queen, you know, yeah, sort at least of in other, in other stories, at least we've had, either visual clues or something that someone has said that indicates that this is what's going on. Like, Oh, did you notice he had two left thumbs? You know, that kind of stuff um, is, is I think what would have made this a little bit better. Or if um, a science police officer, Siobhan would have said something earlier about, Oh my gosh, you, you know, I can't believe this person has escaped. I must talk to the Legion uh, right away, uh, but for some reason I just can't say the words or something along those lines yeah. to make you put two and two together. Oh, who would have the power to control someone's mind? Who right. is a big bad villain that is uh, a big detriment to the Legion? Then I think you could have said, aha, now this all makes sense. And I know a lot of people, I th- I, are, are a lot of people generally upset about Earth War and how it, how it concludes? I don't think so. I mean, the ending of Earth War, as we see in this issue, does come around a little bit abruptly. But overall, uh, to my knowledge anyway, the perception of Earth War is overwhelmingly positive. Earth War is one of those stories that people still refer to as one of the big, awesome Legion epics. Mm -hmm. We do get to see a couple of Legionnaires escape. We get to see um, um, Lightning Lad and Saturn Girl and Superboy and... Karate Kid. Karate Kid all get to escape and they go to a vacation resort island somewhere (laughs) in the South Pacific of our planet Earth. It's Fiji. 
It's definitely Fiji. Well, have we seen this re- resort before? Because they make mention that this is a hidden getaway that no. uh, that is not on any map or anything like that. No, uh, we haven't. And also, I don't recall them referring to Hidden Legion safe houses. Because as you remember, the first time we saw Mordru, they literally had to run back in time 100,000 or 1,000 years mm-hmm. in order to escape him. So. No, I don't think that we've ever seen that before. And I can't recall us ever seeing, you know, a secret Legion safe house again. But I have to say, I kind of enjoy the ingenuity of their escape. Because Saturn Girl is like, well, Mordru is so afraid of being crushed under the Earth that he won't even think to look for us under the Earth. So we're going to tunnel out. That's yeah, kind of so clever. Shouldn't, shouldn't they have then just gone to a cave somewhere and just hidden out there instead of an island in the <laughs> South Pacific? I don't know. It's Fiji. I mean, we don't know that. I mean, uh, my initial thought was Hawaii, for, or at least at at some point in the mid seventies, uh, mm-hmm. Polynesian resorts, uh, Polynesian life's travel was pretty big, and I don't know the reason why. Because Hawaii became a state in like what fifty nine or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, population of Hawaii didn't reach a million until nineteen eighty. We had a couple of TV shows that were set in in Hawaii, and occasionally you would see some other shows in the 70s make a trip to Hawaii. There was a great episode of The Rockford Files. I think it was a two-parter where he went to Hawaii. And, of course, you had a Hawaii Five-0 that was filmed there. Magnum P.I. doesn't come around until in the 80s. So I And I remember probably around the same time, like some Dennis the Menace stuff, there was a comic book that was kind of... Um, it felt like a travel and tourism board comic book where Dennis went to Hawaii with his parents and learned all about the Hawaiian culture. And I'm just trying to think in my head. And I know my parents went and traveled to Hawaii in the in the late 70s. And I'm just trying to figure out what what would have made them want to include, you know, the the, the Polynesian hideaway in, in this story. Uh, Thor Heyerdahl. If you remember Thor Heyerdahl, who was big about uh, going and exploring in these areas in the early 70s, so it would have been a few years before this, had built two different boats out of papyrus. Yeah, yeah he was trying to see how far uh, they could have gone. Had they, would they have really yep. been able to reach Hawaii? Would they have really been able to we- reach um, California or the uh, West Coast of the United States? That kind of stuff. How far could they have gone? Uh, during right. those times. And I remember he did all sorts of things. He also did something I thought with the Vikings, right? Where it was like, yeah. could the Vikings have traveled all this distance and they did this thing where they were going across South America by dragging boats and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he did uh, migration throughout Mesopotamia as well. Mm-hmm, That's mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of. I mean, I remember being really young in the seventies because you know, I was, but I remember hearing about Thor Heyerdahl and his expeditions throughout the seventies and I think, I mean, for me, I think it's kind of like, you know, we had that big surge in the mid seventies for some reason of, uh, Egyptian narratives as well. King mm-hmm. Tut was everywhere. Yeah. That was some of the new age, uh, stuff mm-hmm. that was coming around. Yeah. Tying yeah. into the ancient astronauts and, and things of that. Yeah. So the Polynesian culture and especially like the Tiki culture mm-hmm. had been around since like 45 when, uh, what's his name? Trader Rick or whoever, Uh, showed up and started doing all the tiki bars uh, in Southern California and kind of kicking that off. So I I have really no idea. It really kind of surprised me that it was just literally here's a primitive hut, grass hut kind of of thing 
right. uh, out here in the middle of, a, of an island somewhere, and it just popped up. I, I don't know why we're spending so much time talking about it, except it's just... Because it's literally there, in here for three pages. Well, I know, but there's there's usually something about, you know, some kind of connection to something that was going on that we can point to, and, and <sighs> I, I just really is. can't find it. It's what is it? Fantasy Island. Well, what year did Fantasy Island come out? Because I'm going to bet it's not 78. I think it was um, uh, after that. I thought Fantasy Island was like 1977, 78. Uh, let's see. Fantasy Island. Oh, of course, they only. Yeah, 1977 would have been the first Fantasy Island uh, series. Yeah. When it first started, went till 84. And this book came out in mid 78. I'm telling you. It this could is, be. This is Fantasy Island a year. And Karate Kid is wearing a white jacket like Ricardo Montalban. No, he's wearing it a white. Fits. He's wearing his white gi like he's supposed to, and uh, he looks a lot more Asian in this uh, episode than what we have seen in previous issues. Yeah, I feel like that is that's an inker thing to me, because um, mm. Joe Staten kind of has a, a relatively static style, but this is Murphy Anderson inking, and Murphy is one of the old school guys from DC. Murphy was around in the fifties, you know, and doing things like Captain Comet, but it feels like a completely different book from last month with Murphy inks. And next month when we get to Dick Giordano inks, it'll be like a whole different world too. So I feel like the Asian influence here is probably Murphy trying to, you know, deal with the, well, the grail trend and the, the trend of having him actually look Asian. Yeah. Uh, we do get to see briefly a shot of Sorcerer's World, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that Sorcerer's World has been mentioned before, and I'm pretty sure we've traveled to Sorcerer's World before. Yes. But have we ever seen a shot of Sorcerer's World from space that has this giant orbiting snake all the way around it? Because that's pretty badass. I couldn't find one. Sorcerer's World actually predates Mordru by about five years. Sorcerer Ro- Sorcerer's World first appears in a super horse story. In 61, uh, back in Action 301, mm. when we come back to it, it's the Sorcerer's World in 369, Adventure 369, that first appearance of Mordru. Neither issue that I can find has a planetary shot of the world. So, yeah, I think that that's a really, really cool visual, though, and I wish it had stayed because yeah. Sorcerer's World doesn't always look that metal. No, I, I would I, I would think that it would look so metal if there was a giant snake. and. It would be even cooler if it was in a live snake, just uh, orbiting the world just as opposed orbiting to like the world spinning around. Yeah. yeah, instead of some pre-built thing or projection or something like that. So, uh, do you think the Legion lives in Mordru's head rent-free? Oh, absolutely. This dude is like Mordru obsessed is with obsessed them. Obsessed with these kids, and he wants them dead. The problem, though, is that he seems to think that the problem is these heroes of Earth. Uh, he kind of makes some mention of that in the story, which I yeah. find kind of interesting because Saturn girl, she ain't from earth. Monel, mm-hmm. he ain't from earth. Uh, phantom lass. She's not from, from earth. And you know, the only, the only heroes that are from earth are like earth man, who is a horrible person. And I think that's it. Oh, bouncing karate boy. Kid, yeah, bouncing karate kid, boy, invisible kid, sun boy, uh, Pharaoh lad who's dead. And a couple of others are from Earth. Of course, Superboy is from Earth. No, he's not. Of. He's from he's from Krypton. Yeah, but he's raised on Earth. I mean, that's that's. I mean, they live on Earth. That doesn't make them Earthlings. Uh, uh, so I yeah. just have this real issue with him saying, "Oh, all of my problems are here on Earth, so therefore I must destroy Earth." When it's like, 
you do know that they can just pop over to Saturn and pick up another uh, mind reader, don't you? You do know that we can fly over to Cosmic uh, Boy's planet and get his brother to come in and right. do the exact same job that that uh, Cosmic Boy was doing. So I think more. I, I think Mordrew is a little. Um, he's got blinders on when it comes to how to deal with the Legion. He's definitely got some tunnel vision, but I mean, he has a point. The writers have treated Earth as synonymous with the United Planets. Is that Earth hmm. is the, the seat of the UP? It's where the president of the UP lives. It's where the Legion is headquartered. It's where R.J. Brand tends to spend most of his time. Well, he I stays mean, on a on his own planetoid somewhere. Yeah, but it's in orbit around the Earth. I mean, first of all, so first of all, I. This hasn't always been the case, I don't think, but at least in DC Comics, and I don't know if it's the same with Marvel Comics, but Earth seems to be the focal point of everything happening in the in the universe. Yeah. And, and isn't that somewhat, um, what's the word, jingoistic, jingoistic ab- about that? <laughs> it's definitely ethnocentric, but later stories. Ethnocentric. Earth, no, yeah, there you go. It's good. But later stories actually go to the trouble of trying to justify it. Um, characters like Naboo point out that Earth is uh, perfectly placed in the universe and significant mystically and astrologically. And we think way highly of ourselves. Oh, absolutely. But you also have to remember, everyone writing these comics is an Earthling. I know. That's where where I was saying, getting some of that uh, Eartherism uh, going on, where it's just like, maybe you should, you know, rethink. Like, you know, I thought the center of the universe was... Uh, or at least in the DC universe, wherever um, Oa was at, you know, and that's that's where the, the the central battery was. But no, it's Earth. Oa is the center of the universe, uh, literally, but Earth is the center of the universe metaphorically because I mean the greatest Green Lanterns come. Yeah, from here. and of course, even you know, though the Green Lanterns are from another planet, that also kind of gets into the idea that you know DC Comics is headed headquartered in New York, Marvel Comics headquartered in New York. Uh, for yep. the long, long time. And I don't know if it's still this this thinking that New York is the center of the universe, center of the world, the center of everything. Everything revolves around New York. I don't know if that's still true, but I know like 15 years ago, that was the that yep. was the um, over inflated idea that everything revolved around what happens in New York. And so I yeah, just and- I kind of I don't know. I have a I can I have a struggle with this because, yes, at, at the one point we all want to be that special child that will save the universe from the, uh, he who cannot be named. His name's Mordrew, by the way. Yeah. And um, and so Both that work. idea that, you know, everything revolves around us is is, I guess, makes it a little bit more centered, very much the way a sidekick uh, draws the younger readers into comics. But there's something just a little odd about if I take care of Earth, it'll solve all of my problems kind of thing. Well, and I think to some degree, you know, we've talked about the uh, alternate universes don't count theory. Yeah. Uh, like the ultimate universe or, you know, Earth 2 always end up getting destroyed because you can tell stories there because those worlds, yeah, for lack matter. of a better term, don't matter. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you go back to the earliest days of the Legion, not only uh, you're you're proving your point, not only is Earth synonymous with the UP, but Earth is synonymous with Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Metropolis is essentially New York. So Metropolis right. is Earth, is the United Planets. You know, the Legion of Superheroes, the most powerful force in the known universe, is protecting one city on one planet above all others. And it's definitely 
a problem, but you, when you see books that are set on other worlds, like if you read a comic book like, say, Guardians of the Galaxy or going back to the 80s when I was reading um, the Legion spinoff, The uh, Wanderers, uh-huh. when the book didn't take place on Earth, people complained. Why do we care about this planet? Why do we care about this running around the universe stuff? Yeah, that's this why doesn't I, have any any you know central meaning to us, right. guys on Earth. So, and that's why I that's why I said that it seems very much like the sidekick uh, mm-hmm. method, right? You use the sidekick to bring the young readers in. You set it on Earth to make everybody feel comfortable in their space, and you don't set it off in some far corner of the galaxy because man, that's going to flip everybody's wigs to think that uh, Earth isn't isn't the center of everything. And again, that brings me back to my. That's really kind of troubling that our ego is set up that way that we have to feel like we are that important. I, I, I just think of all the spaceships that have flown past the Earth over the last uh, hundred years and have just slowed down just momentarily. And uh, the the a- lady alien sitting next to the driver is like, don't stop, Henry, keep driving. It's the worst place ever. And then just move on. And we just think that, yeah, we're pretty important. And meanwhile, all the alien civilizations out there are just passing us by, just going, shaking their heads and, and going, yeah, no, we got we to gotta quarantine this place. Well, absolutely. I mean, the same thing can be said about the Legionnaires themselves. At this point, virtually all the Legionnaires are humanoid, bipedal, perfectly yeah. normal looking yeah. people. And the one current Legionnaire of color, uh, not counting Karate Kid, is noticeably the only legionnaire absent for the earth war well yeah so we have tyrock right we have shadow lass shadow lass is blue i'll give you that and we have brainiac five who's green right and then we have uh, chameleon boy so we do have some we do have some colors uh being represented but you know certainly uh maybe not in the way that representation should be done uh in the book and that's one of the reasons why i like the next iteration of the Legion, the Archie Legion, where we do get Princess Projectra is a snake and we do have this uh, this block creature that's made out of rock. And we do have a guy that's flying around in a little spaceship because, you know, that's what Quizlet does. Um, so, yeah, maybe I don't know. It, it, there, there's there's issues all yeah. over the place, but certainly one of the things that strikes me in Mordru's mad quest to defeat the Legion is that. It's all because of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, Mordor, you need some therapy, dude. I feel like, though, having that that monomania does give him a weakness because he is literally living magic. Mm-hmm. It gives him a weakness that they can use against him. You know, yeah. Yeah. His, his literal kryptonite is the being buried in Earth. But how do you get him there? you kind of troll him out by showing him some teenagers in tight pants that he can kill. And at that point you're like, yep, element lad, turn all the air into stone. And it's not even air. It's not even air. They're in the vacuum of space. And element lad is like, Oh, Brainiac five, give me the chemical formula for dirt. And so he literally takes all the hydrogen atoms that are, is out there in in space and reconforms them and reconfigures them until he gets the molecular formula for dirt. And then he just, you know, buries uh, Mordru inside that out in the middle of space. And it's just like, okay, that's, that is a pretty clever ending on yeah. how to take care of Mordru. Um, but it's also a little bit of a deus ex machina too. <laughs> I mean, 
isn't that the case with all of their powers? To some degree, yeah. I mean, you're you're right. Most of the time when we see these big shocking endings, it's oh, and Sunboy mysteriously has a secret it, hidden inner eyelid that kept him from being blinded by the quake. That was Spock. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, you you do get to that point. And I feel like the way they sell it, that it requires teamwork, it requires Saturn Girl to bond all the Legionnaires' minds, allowing Brainiac to feed Element Lad what he needed and Element Lad to it you know, do the attack. That's kind of nice, but it doesn't change the fact that it feels like, uh, the metaphorical, uh, butt pull. Yeah. Where you, yeah. you kind of pulled it out of your butt, but also this is a bronze age comic. We've seen much more blatant butt pulls and ones that didn't feel as, as dramatic and as actually satisfying as this one. So yeah, I'm willing to kind of let them have it based on the fact that it feels epic and amazing and we do get that moment where the legion and the subs and all of the reserve heroes are just opening up on mordru with all of their face powers just mm-hmm. blam out of nowhere and for some reason princess projector is creating a picture of wily e. coyote to confuse him yeah i mean you know gotta keep gotta keep them on their on their toes moving around anything that can distract them from doing a spell yeah. and of course as we said mordru gets captured everybody goes back and has a big meeting and one of the big things that is decided at the meeting is that um, they're getting rid of the marriage decree in the yep. Legion law. So that means Cosmic Boy can run over to his friends and is like, Saturn Girl, Lightning Lad, we've abolished the marriage rule. That means that you guys can come back. Oh, this is so great. And he's hugging everybody and slapping them on the back. And then you hear Bouncing Boy go, oh, um, that uh, that means I, I know that you meant that uh, my wife and I, Duo Damsel, can come back as well, but uh, we've got other things that we would like to do. And then everyone's like, oh, oh, yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah you're on the you, team because your dad had a you, Camaro. You guys are welcome back, too. But yeah, like you said, you got something else to do. And they kind of give Chuck an old pat on the back as they shove him out the door. That's just me. Don't be mean to Chuck. No, but I mean, that's how they kind of react, right? It's just like, oh, and us too, right? Too bad we're too busy. And everyone's like, yeah, right. We forgot about you. Yeah. Yeah. You guys, you two aren't important. You haven't been important for like 30 issues. Well, I mean, you know, Cosmic Boy did set it up at the beginning of the Earth. Yeah, because he was whining and complaining about how he wishes his two friends were here. about missing his buddies and being the only founder. So having him be overjoyed. I kind of like that. And then we're like, hey, the Dominator said we're not going to fight anymore. Yeah. A thousand years of peace is what they what they decreed, which I guess means if there is now peace throughout the galaxy, then the series is over. No. I mean, no, if there's peace because, throughout the galaxy. Just because uh, we're not actively at war, but that doesn't mean that the Legion isn't necessary. I mean, there's still the Fatal Five. Mordru could break out at any point. Um, I'm sure some, somewhere there's a paper boy in danger. Cats get up trees all the time. I mean, no one that's has what, seen that's the what your local, super pets in months. That's what your local police and fire departments are for. Not, not the Legion of Superheroes. This, this series is over. That's it. World peace. Yay. Universe peace. Hooray. P-E-A-C-E. Dominators. What about the Kuns? The Kuns are still out there. No, we've kicked their butts. We've realized that they're, they're too weak and they, they realize that their leader was being mind manipulated by Mordru and now they've slunk back into their corner of the universe never to be heard from again. P-E-A-C-E. Peace. Peace. 
Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes, number 246. Will the last one to leave Mercury please close the planet? Published December 1978. Written by Paul Levitz and Len Wein. With art by Joe Stanton and Dick Giordano. Synopsis. The Legion faces peril on a planet covered in lava. A World for the Winning, published December 1978. Written by Len Wein with art by Joe Staten and Murphy Anderson. Synopsis. Have the Fatal Five finally given up their evil ways? Speaking of uh, Fatal Five, mm-hmm. we're going to get some Fatal Five coming up in this issue. <laughs> the Fatal Five returns, and now they've gone legit. Yeah, yeah, this is really weird. So there's two parts, there's two stories in this issue, which was kind of a surprise to me to get back to the to the two-issue one. Yep. Uh, and the first story is just like the weirdest Star Trek episode ever. <laughs> it really is. And I was thinking that the whole time, is it just felt like Kirk and Spock and McCoy. But I'll tell you one thing, I didn't complain because, as I mentioned, you know, during the last segment, Dick Giordano is inking joe staten and it looks amazing yeah it looks okay. oh my god it looks good yeah so, so several of members of the legion are called to mercury because apparently mercury is a um medical planet apparently yes. you know the the old adage of get some sun and that'll that'll cure what ails you is is taken to extremes uh by saying get as close to the sun as you possibly can to cure what right. ails you and of course karate kid is there and everyone thinks that oh my gosh he must be dying because why else would he go to mercury no one goes to mercury uh, unless they're dying and then they get there and we find out what happened to uh what's her name Deathbreaker. diamond death diamond death that's that's her name we find out what happens to her and karate kid and her seem mighty chummy even though he's just saying oh she's only a friend wink wink to the kids at home and then they disappear back into time, time, time Haven't you ever time. had a female friend? I do. I have a lot of female okay. friends. All right. It's just like that. But she's no longer no, it's, Diamond Death. It's, no. If you, that in the, the things that are happening in that Karate Kid series, you can tell that there's something going on between those two. Well, maybe. But, you know. You know what happens in go. the 20th century stays in the 20th century, according to Karate Kid. That's true. And he's also, once he's done that, he says he has to go and talk to projector's father king Voxvu, however one pronounces that and i'm thinking ooh, is he gonna ask for her hand in marriage but we won't find out for several issues because something stupid is happening on mercury yeah all these patients are suddenly disappearing and they're trying to figure out what's going on at one point a giant robot breaks in and so cosmic boy and lightning lad take it down and the the alien doctor is like you idiots that's one of our are surface droids that's uh, powerful enough to stand the surface temperatures of Mercury. What are you guys doing? You're supposed to be finding all the people that disappear. And then they go and they do something else and they're like, no, that's, that's the nurse chapel character. Why are you guys harassing that person? And they're just coming off as big <laughs> doofs. Until yeah. finally Sunboy uh, realizes that um, something's going on. Things get kind of cold and then things get really hot. And when things get a little chilly, that's when people disappear and he finally realizes that if he turns his sun powers up all the way to 100, then he's going to solve the mystery of the missing patients on Mercury. Yeah. Well, sort of. Uh, he's going to realize that the missing patients were all annihilated by native Mercurian life forms. Called the thermoids. Thermoids. I had thermoids name. in college. I got a couple of shots of penicillin and took that right out. But the... um. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. 
Yeah, not, okay. a, not, a, not a great, I mean, it's not a great story. It's kind of boring. The, the, the only thing that is I find really fascinating here, as we were talking in the previous uh, issue about the lack of, of true alien characters, this time we get a, like a real alien character. The, the doctor looks like a praying mantis. Yeah, he's, well. Or a grasshopper I mean, or something. Yeah, but he's also got the the traditional antennae that you get on a, a 50s creature. But yeah, I do like that. I appreciate a couple of things in this story. I like the fact that they talk about Shadowlass being expe- especially vulnerable. Yeah, to why would these she go attacks. to Yeah, why would she go to Mercury where it's sunny all the time? Right. She's especially vulnerable, but she grew up in, you know, in shadow. And we see Sunboy's powers doing things. And we see the Legion in their jammies. Yeah. Which, um, <laughs> which, you know, sun boys jammies, I think are the best because they're covered in little, little su- symbols of the sun, sun, just yeah. like his, just like his he, costume. He looks like he looks literally like what would happen if Hugh Hefner was a superhero. But what's most interesting to me is that chameleon boy is dressed in this cool, you know, yeah, night like, shirt. Like, yeah, it's like, like a, your grandpa Jedediah. Yeah. What, what are the, it's, it's like a robe almost is, is what yeah. it is. It goes from neck to de- neck to feet, which I found very fascinating. And it kind of gives you maybe a little insight into the traditions of, you know, his species of his kind, right. uh, just to say, Oh, look at that is what they're, you know, their nightwear says something about them, I think, and says something yeah. about their culture, which he I thought was super interesting. Loose, he needs a big loose nightgown so that when he falls asleep and starts shape shifting, yeah. You know, you have restless leg syndrome. He can yeah. start turning into things and won't ruin it. But uh, Shadow Lass is wearing a nightgown cut all the way down to Bolivia. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, how in the world did they get away with this? Because well, I mean, we've already seen the costume changes before that are maybe uh, super revealing. And in fact, her costume is pretty revealing yeah. anyway to begin Her costume with. costume so. is very revealing, but the way this panel is cut and the way the drawing looks, it's open all the way down to her thighs. I swear to you that she is going to be basically frontal, full frontal nudity if you ever saw her full frontal in this outfit. And while I'm not complaining, because, you know, powder blue women are kind of cute, I'm just like, I cannot believe they got away with that. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, if you, if you've seen what Cosmic Boy has been wearing, if you've seen what Saturn Girl has been wearing, <laughs> if you, you know, like I said, if you saw what Shadow Lass was wearing during the daytime in her official costume, there's I nothing. I argue that this is more daring even than Cosmic I Boy. I don't think so. I don't, I think it's, I think it's tame. I think it's like, oh, so that's what she wears to bed. Kind of interesting. Just like I think, oh, so that's what Chameleon Boy or Sun Boy wears to bed. Uh, I find it fascinating, but I didn't find it. Um, scandalous or outrageous or titillating or anything like that. I'm just like, okay, that's what she wears to bed. And she wears, you know, something that is very, very different than everyone else. At least she's not wearing, you know, a black, uh, a black uh, pajamas that go with, uh, with the fact that she's, uh, you know, shadow lass. (laughs) Yeah. I think she actually borrowed that night count from phantom girl. Maybe, but, uh, this story is actually, uh, scripted by Len Wein mm-hmm. uh, over a Levitt's plot. And Len Wein, of course, you may remember Len Wein from, oh, I don't know, creating Wolverine, creating Swamp Thing. Yeah. But it's interesting throughout this uh, story, you mentioned how they do seem a little doofier than usual. Mm-hmm. They Everybody does feel just a little bit off key because 
I mean, Lightning Lad feels like he's he's taking a very strong leadership role, which he doesn't normally do. And Sunboy is this super confident, hey, I'm Sunboy. So I'm wondering if it's just a question of, you know, Ween not being as familiar with the things that Levitz had established for this, you know, for the characters' voices and, and attitudes. Yeah. But, and it does feel like kind of a throwaway story. Yeah, it's just it it really has no bearing on anything except we need to get to the next story. The Fatal Five return. Oh, so the Fatal Five are back. You know, uh, here's what happens in the United Planets. Yeah. uh, When a system comes of age, they can appeal to the United Planets for admission. That way they can get that sweet, sweet uh, money. They can also get that sweet, sweet no aging serum. And uh, apparently some protection from a bunch of teenagers, but that's not the big thing. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, the Legion is tasked to come and meet with this new delegation from this new planet. And Corbon sure enough, four, which yeah. feels very Star Trekky. And sure enough, stepping off, off the, uh, uh, off the ship are members of the Fatal Five. Yeah. Mono and the Persuader. Yeah, the Persuader, whose axe is so sharp. It can slice the force of gravity, Matthew, so sharp it can cut gravity and make you float away. Also, it is so sharp that it can cut the yellow rays, only the yellow rays of the sun, to depower Superboy. That's how sharp the Persuader's axe is. And of course, how sharp is it? And Manos is just there going, don't make me put my hand on the planet. I can blow this place up. But I love the fact that you call him Manos. Because, yes. Uh, yes. Hand of fate. He does have the hand of fate right there. Uh, but the thing is, they're not really attacking. They're they're doing some stuff to uh, passively take down the people that are attacking them. And they're like, look, 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 we're not here to cause trouble. We've gone truly legit. We have yep. found this planet. The last time we met, we got zapped off to some world and we have learned the error of our ways and we have decided to do right. And these people have elected us as their leaders and we've brought them in to the level that they can apply for some UP protections. And so we're here to petition on the behalf of our planet to become, you know, members. Yep. And of course, uh, they come in peace. Yep. And they've come to talk to president Boltax, who is now back in his fourth head, uh, and weirdly, Boltax looks like R.J. Brand. A little bit. Yeah, I thought that's who it was initially when you look at him, because he's got the, he's a little overweight and has got the mustache and everything. Yeah, and he's got the, the big head of hair. You know, usually Brand's is, is blonde or red, depending. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's weird. But it, it, it is President Boltax. They call him Mr. President. But uh, the president know. is basically like, uh, uh Oh, you guys are like supervillains, and I don't know if this is really on the level. So you legionnaires, go to this mysterious new planet and <laughs> check it out for us. And sure yeah. enough, they get there, and, and then the rest of the Fatal Five are there, Half Robot Man and uh, Emerald Empress and the other guy that no one really cares about <laughs> is uh. there. See, Matthew can't even think of the guy's name. I know the guy's name. You got Thayrock Johnson. That you can't remember Dwayne Thayrock Johnson. No, you got Thayrock Johnson. You've yeah. got Emerald Empress. Yeah. You got a uh, uh, robot guy. Uh-huh. And then you have Robot guy is is Dwayne Therock Johnson. Yeah, yeah. So see, that's the other guy. We don't we don't ever remember him. Validus? Oh, yeah, yeah, the guy that never talks. Saturn Saturn girl's uh, love child. Oh wait, we weren't supposed to mention that, were we? 
We weren't supposed to mention that Validus well, is hasn't happened yet. So we'll is the is the weeks. is the child of Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad. Mental lightning powers. Of course, he's the powers the the child of Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad. Anyway, anyway, they're all uh, hanging out there, and they're like, "Look at how great we've made this planet! Everyone worships us. We've yeah. made this a paradise on Earth." And then somebody had to say, this is really Corvax 5. And they're like, correct. We've made this paradise on Corvax 5. And then the Legion. The Alpha 6. Yes. And then the Legion, the Legion are like, um, here's what happens when high tech civilizations come into, uh, you know, not as developed civilizations and they bring all their cool gifts with them. Everybody freaks out. And while it's great that you guys have been doing a lot of these things, all of the inhabitants on this planet are suffering from culture shock and they don't know how to deal. And because of this, we can't allow you into the UP. I mean, you've really wrecked these people's society. They didn't progress at a natural rate. You've kind of contaminated them. And at which point Emerald Dimbrus is like, I'll kill you. Well, she broke the prime directive. And now she has to kill you. And the, usually when Steven says these things, I'm like, oh, ha, ha, you're exaggerating. He is not exaggerating. <laughs> Literally, Superboy and Colossal Boy clearly say, I'm sorry, we can't let this happen. And Therok is like, destroy them. And em- Emerald Dumpers is like, die, you F-bombers. <laughs> I shouldn't say F-bombers, like, okay. but yes. The I kill you part, I thought, was the weirdest reaction because it's like, oh, I thought you guys literally went legit. And because there's some concerns... You you just have flipped back to your evil ways, and so there's fighting and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they're they're administrators. They're they're you know trying to fit in, but they're also murderous jack wagons. So they yeah. kind of revert to type. They end up capturing a bunch of people, and and Superboy is the only one to escape, uh, and he swears that I'll will be back, and I'll bring the entire might of the Legion with me, except for the ones you're about to kill while I'm while I'm flying to someplace else. And then we're just going to end the issue right there. Do you know what I feel? Uh, Like a cheeseburger? I feel, no, I had that for dinner. I feel like having read Earth War and Uh the stories that come immediately after Earth War, I feel like some of these stories are being presented out of order. I think, well, I don't know so much out of order as, well, go ahead and tell me what you think out of order. You think these two should have been all before Earth War? I think that um, the first half of this story yeah. shouldn't take place until after the second half of next issue. Whereas this first half of that Freedom uh, Freedoms 5? No. The first half of this Fatal 5 story and part of next issue should have been this issue. Yeah, I really, and yeah, then, that's that's the thing is the, uh, uh, will the last one to leave Mercury please close the planet? That one yeah. I think could have been cut completely and you just take the the world for the winning and part two of that and just put them into a single issue. I think that's would have yep. been the better choice. But again, as we talked with earth war, one of the things that made earth war work, I think was that it was this five part series that you had to go and get every single issue to know what was going on. And there was a cliffhanger that made yep. you want to come back and get the next issue. So even though we had the end of an arc with master of earth, um, you kind of, and I think that we've talked about this before, although one of our listeners did point out that, uh, you know, the, there was a Superboy multi-part adventure. 
Right. DC at this point is really learning that you have to give the cliffhanger for people to come back next issue. And had we put uh, the world for the winning part one and two in a single issue, there's no real pull to come back for the next issue. So right. I think at this point they've kind of split this and maybe they split it Poorly. after the fact. Well, I'm thinking maybe after the fact where they're like, oh, gosh, this this whole, you know, drag people onto the next issue so that they read it is going to is going to sell comics. So we need to continue to do this. And they're like, well, we've got this throwaway kind of half done, half baked mm-hmm. idea about this uh, creature on Mercury. Maybe we can put that in there and then split this other story in half, and then that way we can put it in the next issue, and people will buy that. And they're like, brilliant idea, Paul Levitz. This is why someday we're going to put you in charge. And Paul Levitz is like, gee, really? And they're like, no. And then secretly in the back there is mine. Paul Levitz is sitting there going, someday I will run this place. Well, and part of the reason that I think this is um, in the letters page of 245, mm-hmm. there's reference to an upcoming Legion Super Spectacular issue. Mm. that actually gets printed as Legion 250 and 251. It gets chopped well, up. Is that because that was, was that one of the uh, supersized issues, the the big ones that, that got lost in the implosion? Yes. Um, okay. I believe that if I'm understanding correctly, the plan was either that it was a double-sized issue or the way I understand it, another tabloid-sized issue. Mm-hmm. But it gets chopped up, and we'll we'll get to that in just a couple of, of issues because it actually causes some issues with the creator uh, who wants his name taken off of it. I won't tell you his name, but we'll get there. But I feel like there's some scrambling being done after Earth War and probably into the mid-250s of this book because we, we not only see Len Wein uh, writing in this issue after seeing pretty much no one but Levitz for several months – um, we're going to see Jerry Conway joining the Legion team very soon, and another creator who shall remain nameless till we get there. But I feel like we're at a point right now where, whether it's because of the implosion or whether it's because of we just spent five months doing this big story, what we've seen with the art, where every single issue has a different art team and everything's all up in the air, we're going to start seeing with the writing team as well. I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with that, providing that the stories are good and you never you don't know what's going on. I mean, I don't know. I think Paul Levitz, this was his only gig with Legion for a while. Right. Wasn't he the that was his only job was um, the Legion? Uh, Paul Levitz was actually doing a couple of books. at DC, I think at this point. But yeah, he was the primary Legion writer. And then uh, here in a minute, he's not going to be. And then he will be again. So either Jerry Conway got fed up or Steve Apollo was just like, ugh, take my name off of this project. <laughs> well, Steve Apollo is actually an alias. Well, yes, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but, I, you know, I could see, you know, the Legion, big deal. Uh, the DC expansion, uh, a big deal. The 80-page uh, tabloid size giants, obviously a big deal because you got, you know, Superman and Muhammad Ali fighting in one and you've got the right. Legion wedding happening in another so I could see having a completely different team working on those those stories. And yep. then when everything falls apart, they're like, well, we've got to do something with these stories. Let's put them into the regular book and and seeing those kind of, of things uh, happening. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Also, it looks like uh, someone's going to kill Anne Rand in, in an upcoming uh, issue. Dun, but dun, that's dun. for another time. I would say that the cliffhanger feels a little out of place in this issue. And the first story is just kind of a throwaway issue. Um, overall between the two issues, I was not disappointed in earth war the way that I've been led that many people, uh, didn't like it. 
Mm. I was pleased with the conclusion of it. I mean, it brought everybody back, including one of their biggest foes. And then the very next issue, you have their second biggest group of foes, the Fatal Five, show up. So I think, you know, these two are fairly successful issues, although I do like a 245 more than 246. I would agree. That wraps it up for this installment of the Legion Clubhouse. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us. Hey, real quick, during the month of April, and this is April only, uh, if you have been sitting on the fence wondering if you should become a Major Spoilers patron member over at patreon.com slash major spoilers, it's how we are able to produce the show and keep it coming uh, to you as often as we have it coming to you. If you've been sitting on the fence waiting to decide to jump on board or not, we've just unlocked yearly subscriptions. So you can pay once and you can get access to all of the bonus content over on patreon.com slash major spoilers, in addition to making sure that this show uh, continues. During the month of April, however, we are offering you a 16% discount if you sign up for the annual membership, which essentially means, well, not essentially, it actually means you get a year membership and you're only paying for 10 months. So you're getting two months free in this deal. So if you would, if you enjoyed our conversation here, if you found it enlightening, you've laughed a little bit, you've learned a little bit, maybe you've cried a little bit, shouted a little bit, fired off an angry tweet at me just a little bit, then maybe uh, say thank you by heading over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and signing up. And if you do sign up for like the silver level membership for the entire year, you're going to get two months entirely free so if you would help us out we would kindly we would greatly appreciate your kindness head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers and i think matthew this week we have learned what we have learned that paul levitz is one of those writers who believes that superboy is more susceptible to magic rather than just having no specific defenses i think we also learned that therapy is very very helpful but you have to go and do it <laughs> and we've learned that Mike Grell leaves the Legion once again. This is his final cover on Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. R.I.P. Michael. Thank you so much, everyone, for checking us out this week. We will be back next time. Until then, I'm Unite the Planets, man. And I'm You Never Heard a Sound Like the Rubber Band Man. The Legion Clubhouse is a production of Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, and is produced by Steven Schleicher. Your hosts were Matthew Peterson and Steven Schleicher. You can follow Matthew at Mighty King Cobra and Steven at Major Spoilers. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Legion Clubhouse. If you have questions or comments, send them to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. I'm Jason Inman. Until next time, eat it, Grandpa. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.